vintage sand. Hello, hello, hello. I don't know if you can hear the helicopters or smell the tear gas, but here we are. It's Vintage yes. Sand, Team Vintage Sand, in the heart of New York City, in the middle of the protest, proving once and for all that Spike Lee was a visionary and a genius, because Do the Right Thing is happening all over again for real, 31 years after its release, and that's the triple truth. Ruth, and so welcome y'all to episode 21 of Vintage Sand, Team Vintage Sand, which would be Michael Edmonds. Say hello, Michael, to the nice hello. people. And uh, the fabulous John Meyer. Hello. There we are. And uh, we are excited about episode 21. We're gonna try to keep it short, but there's no way we possibly can. Um, but before we dive into the main topic of this evening's symposium, um, I wanted to uh, ask you guys what you thought about the news uh, apropos of what we were talking about last time, that uh, AMC theaters said they might not survive this. They might close down. Well, uh, go ahead. Um, I, someone else will probably pick up the, the caucuses of the, <laughs> because they own a lot of buildings. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, you know, I, again, I am, again, not in New York, which is where we are, of course, but I am, uh, I am, I am fearful of the future of movies in the theater. Yeah. I, I somehow see it, you know, the, there'll be, there's going to be this, delay with everything that's going on where people are not going to go to movies and everything but once the, the virus dies off and everything and people feel more confident i think it will come back i hope so i i, I just the thought of i mean that's i told you guys last time we mentioned this that uh, going to the movies is one of the things that is least missed by people yeah I not being people apparently because it's killing me, man. I miss I get to a movie theater in three months. I hate it. Adam yeah. Theater for me. And music. Yeah. Least least missed or the thing I, I think people are maybe thinking like, you know, do I want to go to a movie theater now with people who might possibly be sick? That's you know, exactly. I don't blame them. Although, I don't know if you guys heard, they are turning Yankee Stadium's parking lot into a drive-in over the summer. And so maybe uh, maybe this will uh, augur the return of the drive-in movie. Wouldn't that be awesome? When's the last time you guys went to a drive-in? When I was a little kid. Uh, no, I, I got you better. I, uh, I think in 1976. <laughs> Jimmy Carter was uh, elected president that year, yeah. kid, for those of you playing along at home. Yeah, no, it's, well, I, I think I mentioned on the last episode, uh, up in the Adirondacks, where we spend some time over the summer, there's a working drive-in between Lake Falls, Lake, Lake George and Glens Falls, and, uh, and we go at least once a year. It's, it's lovely. It's really and a safe way to see movies, so. Definitely. So if you're just checking, everyone, all you Vintage Sand listeners out there, both of you, check your, uh, check your schedule. I think there are three now. Yes, no way. Hey, oh, that's a big thing we have to mention, John. Thank you for inadvertently reminding me. Speaking of three, we are now for the first time, thanks to the, um, um, the adept technical support of Melissa Cabot, uh, we are now able to be on Spotify as well. So you can listen to Vintage Sand, all of our episodes, now this 21st, as well on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on Spotify. So we have joined this part of the 21st century. Yay for us, hopefully. So now, John, when people accost you in the street and say, hey, 
why isn't that awesome podcast available on Spotify? Now you can look them up. It is. It is. Exactly. <laughs> With your head held high. Absolutely. That's right. So we are, um, we are today uh, going back, dipping back in the well um, that was built by Danny Peary, one of my favorite pop film critics of the 80s and 90s, who wrote uh, the Cult Movies Trilogy and the Guide for the Film Fanatic, which is, and my favorite book of his, which, as I've mentioned before, is out of print, a little hard to find, but not impossible, called Alternate Oscars. And uh, in that book, he goes through, I think it goes through Silence of the Lambs in 91, from the very beginning, from 28 and Wings, and goes all the way through and says what won for, um, for picture, actor, and actress, and then says what he, th he thinks should have won. And uh, for those longtime followers, in episode eight, we did that with the 1980s. And in episode 13, we did that with the aughts, the double O's. So today, we're going back in time, since the nostalgia machine seems to be in full gear, uh, to the 1950s. So Vintage Sand episode 21, alternate Oscars 1950s edition. I can just hear Wolfman Jack yelling it out of the radio. Uh, and I think we will all agree that were some of the worst choices ever made were in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, as we shall yes. expect. But I want to I want to say something that I was saying to John uh, John before uh, when you weren't uh, up. Uh, that I think the fifties, by and large, the movies in the fifties represent the Eisenhower era, especially in the center of the decade. They are very very. Certainly the mainstream Hollywood, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, and I don't know about the art films. There were some, a few foreign films which we're not mentioning. But uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a, a choice for 1955. But if you look <laughs> at, say, it's a, a John, I ran into John the other day on the street and we were talking and, you know, this is when Sam Fuller did his little subversive films. This is when Douglas Sirk, you know, although his films were mainstream Hollywood, kind of subverted the... That, that Eisenhower perfect suburban life. I'll be honest, I don't get Douglas Dirk. I don't get him at all. Well, I, they're, go ahead, they're, they're entertaining sometimes in an unintentional way. Yeah, I, I, you know, they're melodrama, but they're, they are challenging, you know, the, uh, the, the homogeneity of the 50s, I think, in their own Hollywood kind of way. I, th I think a lot of it was that you had the combination of trying some way to fight the TV audience and also the blacklist. People were afraid to take a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also remember, as will come up later, you know, Stanley Kubrick got his start and, you know, his two black and white films of the mid-decade are, are both circling around my list. So there was around the edges some good stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. it was Not just around the edges, right? I, and it was, well, it was a time of conformity and that's how greatest show on earth and around the world in 80 days uh. and their Oscars for best pictures. Uh. There you go. All right, before we dive in, we have but one rule, and that's just to keep our sanity and to maintain our privileges on Zoom. Our, our rule is American films only. It's like, do the right, right. thing, Sal says. What about you know, British? 
Uh, well, we we might all right. Yeah, English, we have to, yeah. English, English yeah, foreign English. foreign language movies. We are not including. Right. Okay. Just like Sal and do the right thing. You know, American Italians on the wall only. All right. You don't <laughs> like it? Build your own pizzeria or podcast or whatever. Simply because you know, if we included all the brilliant films that were coming out of Europe and Asia in the fifties, I mean, Bergman, Kurosawa, Brisson, Visconti. Mizuguchi, Rossellini, Ozu, uh, yeah. Opal, Satyajit Rai, Louis Ma, Louis Buñuel, uh, and you know, and then of course the very, very end of the decade, Truffaut and the French New Waivers. So we would be here for a year and a half doing that. Yes. So English language films only. So let's begin, shall we, at the beginning with 1950 and the winner being uh, Joseph Mankiewicz's All About Eve. Gentlemen, go at it. My choice would be Sunset Boulevard, although I can't complain about All About Eve. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a general vibe, too. I, how can you complain about All About Eve? Michael, you're the, would you give it to Sunset Boulevard, too? No. Really? And even though I love Sunset Boulevard, it's on my top 20, I have to say that All About Eve has aged better than Sunset Boulevard. Hmm. That's I, give, I give this movie to a lot of my friends, my younger friends, even some of my contemporaries, most people don't like it. Because it's Sunset too... Boulevard. It's Sunset too Boulevard. It's too acidic, it's too nasty. Yeah, it's, it's too acidic. I mean, basically, the heroine of the movie is Donald Trump in drag. And there's some... <laughs> There you go. And there's something kind of, well, you know, Norman Desmond is a stable genius, that's true. But um, I... If there's kind of something vampiric about it. I mean, it's almost yeah. sucking the life out of him. But my, my, my problem with Sunset Boulevard is, is Nancy Olsen. Uh, oh, I think she's lovely in it. I disagree. Hey, but... but she's the only... I know, I think she's, she's very likable, very charming in it. Yeah. She's, she's too short for that gesture. And besides, it went out with Mrs. Fisk. <laughs> It's really hard to argue against my, that about you. Part of my reason for picking Sunset Boulevard is that I feel it's more of a movie than All About Eve. All About Eve is, it's, it's sort of stagey. Sort of stage bound. Deliberate, yeah. of course. Well, a little bit, but no more than something like The Apartment. True. You know, it's... Which it's, is part of my problem with The Apartment. I know it's you, confined you into certain rooms, I'm not crazy but, about it. Um, let me put it this way. In college, I actually had a double feature when I was running the films for the um, student union of uh, Sunset Boulevard and All About Eve. And most people, people in my dorm hadn't seen either one of them. And almost all of them just preferred B Eve to Sunset. Interesting. Because to them, they didn't know who Gloria Swanson was. And the fact that you're having a has-been being played by a has-been. Right, and, and they certainly didn't know Queen Kelly, so they didn't know that Eric von Stroheim you no. know, had, had directed her in real life. I find, and today, my younger friends really dislike it. They, they, just, they just go, ugh. Well, and, yeah, that is, no, that's, well, that's, it should make you feel like that. It is, a, it is a movie that should make you sort of squirm in a way. Yeah, but as one of my, friend, as one of my friends says, why am I watching this? It, well, exactly. Well, you can say that about any. You can say that about any movie. 
And well, especially true. Wilder. But it's interesting, guys. I showed, uh, jumping ahead one year a little bit, I showed Ace in the Hole to my, my teenagers at Brooklyn Academy of Music, mm -hmm. and they loved it. And that's even more acidic than, uh, than Sunset Boulevard is. That's pure bile. But, but, but Ace in the Hole is sort of a morality tale. Sunset Boulevard really isn't. Hmm. Yeah, uh, no, the other I, two, I, though, is that the other reason, though, too, is that All About Eve has a lot of humor in it. Yeah. Oh, my a God. Of, it's you know, got Addison DeWitt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't top I, that. No, and it's interesting, Mike, because the, the, theme, the theme of All About Eve, if you think about it, now that you say it, is really kind of more relatable than Sunset Boulevard, because Sunset Boulevard is very, very film and silent film destroying her career yeah and you know the wax works as he calls them but um all about eve could be happening today and some as a young broadway hope hopeful tries to edge someone else out well not only that but i think all about eve is a little more universal because it's also about ambition and yes. i think that's why people can identify uh yeah. you know what yeah, it's, it's that it's that driving ambition that that may cause a person to be ruthless and that can be applied to just about and, anything. And I got a qu quick question for Josh. Shoot. Because I know, I know, would know the answer. I know you haven't seen it. Josh, have you ever seen the musical Sunset Boulevard? I refused. Well, here, here was what was interesting about it. I don't like it. I was kind of dating somebody who was really into it. So I saw it like before time. You don't have to, Mike, it's us. You don't have to explain yourselves to well, us. Love yeah. is unconditional. <laughs> the funny thing about Sunset Boulevard, the musical, is it follows the movie very closely. Except for the waxworks, it's, it's almost scene for scene, the same thing. But Norma Desmond is, a is more sympathetic than she is in the movie. And uh, Joe isn't. Joe's just kind of there. You know, you know why I wouldn't go see it is because, they, you know, Patti LuPone originated the role in London. And mm -hmm. when they brought it here, they're like... Nah, she's not a big, big enough star. Let's get Glenn Close. I'm well, like, the, the reason also Patti LuPone didn't do it was because she got very bad reviews in London. She's wrong for it. No way is Patti LuPone a fading beauty. Sorry. Yeah, all right. But, well, yeah. And Glenn, and Glenn Close looked like a demented uh, Norma Shearer. <laughs> is there any other kind? I'm yeah. Just, I'm just asking. But it was yeah. interesting. And I know people who actually prefer the musical to the movie, I think they, they should not be allowed to vote, but. <laughs> in, in this election, they can vote. In this election, don't listen to Michael, everybody vote. Um, but. Um, not if you prefer the musical of Sunset Boulevard to the movie Sunset Boulevard, that's you should not be allowed to vote. No, but so you vote, you've almost talked me into, I could, I could, I'm really on the, on the fence here, but I think I'm still slightly, very slightly, because it's so unlike right. anything else. Um, with with John on on Sunset Boulevard, but I, again, I'm very happy to. Don't get me wrong. I love the I love Sunset yeah. Boulevard, the movie, but I'm a film geek. Any other um, any other uh, honorable mentions from that year? I have absolutely one. my favorite uh, second or third favorite film noir, which is In a Lonely Place, which is finally really starting to get some attention and love, and everyone's starting to realize how amazing Gloria Graham was. And you could argue in that movie. In that you movie, argue, yeah. yeah, you could argue that it's Bogart's best performance. Uh, some people would. I don't know if I would argue with that. It's dark. I do like that movie. 
Yes, well, and, it's, and it's it's a risky performance. Yes, and, I mean because when has he ever? I mean, you know the 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 cynicism of say Rick Blaine in Casablanca. You you know that when you poke a hole in that, you know, yeah, yeah, part's it's going to come out. But Dixon Steele, I just, don't know. It's a facade to cover up his big heart, his bleeding heart, liberalism. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he fought. He ran guns to the Spanish after all. But no, yeah. but Dixon Steele is just I and mean, well named and cold and hard. And it's not the first time, and the last time rather, that Nick Gray is going to appear on my list. So there's a filmmaker who was sort of being quietly subversive in his Hollywood way. I think Carol Reed's The Third Man is just I always thought that was... No, 1950 was nominated for director and screenplay. Can't argue with that. And I think it's a brilliant movie. movie. Good movie. I think John uh, Huston's The Aspart Jungle. Fantastic. Great. Great sort of... And this really surprised me. I always thought this was a 1949 movie, but George Cukor's Adam's Rib is that yeah. year. I thought, yeah, I thought that was 49. That's also. definitely, that might be the best Tracy Hepburn movie. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Not only the best Tracy Hepburn, I think the best performance Judy Holiday ever gave. I, I am not a huge fan of Born Yesterday. I'm not, I'm not either. Play, and I think she's, yeah, I, I'm not crazy about it. I, that movie that I liked a fun. lot the very first time I saw it, but I was really young. And then when I, I've seen it a couple of times again since, I'm like, eh. And I've seen the play okay. too, and the play's nothing much. Yeah. No, and yet that's Jeez. one of the five, five nominees along with. But um, I, have to, I have to say, everybody is good in Adam's Rip. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Everyone. Everybody. 100%. Tra- right. And yeah. Tracy, is, Tra- Tracy is superb. Yes, he is. He was also good in Father of the Bride, which yeah, was one of the five nominees. Excellent in that, too, yeah. But King Solomon's Minds. I know, good. my God. Deborah Carr, though, Deborah Carr. She's good. I like Deborah Carr, but it, I mean, I, come on. Yeah. I have had the misfortune of seeing that movie. Yeah, it was on uh, Turner the other night. Ooh, Ooh yeah. what a smeller. Yeah. It really is bad. That's a real what were they thinking. So to, to wrap up 1950, uh, Michael's staying with All About Eve and Jeff and are, are both very happy with All About Eve, maybe slightly leaning towards Sunset Boulevard. I mean, two of the greatest films. And All made. About Eve did also win the New York Film Critics Award that year too. Yep. And it's surprising because Sunset Boulevard is probably the most anti-Hollywood film ever made. You know what, what I, I also read that uh, neither Sunset Boulevard nor All About Eve were big box office. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's not going to pack them in, especially when there's King Solomon's Minds to see. Well, Samson and Delilah was the big hit of 1950. <sighs> which, You're killing which me. Man. I have seen. Oh, my God. Well, it's no The Barbarian and the Geisha, but, uh, you know. It's... And George Sanders was in both that and, and Eve. <laughs> Oh, my, my, my. All right, so we move on to the next year. We move on to 1951, and a not entirely unappetizing choice, an American in Paris, Vincent Minnelli's. Um, I I was not miserable about uh, an American in Paris. Um, I love the, you know, the songs are all Gershwin. Um, I don't love Leslie Caron in that part, but you have to love the ballet. Uh, at the end, and I'm no fan of the dance, but it's a, it's a spectacular scene. 
But I'm sorry. I mean, I think, and I think, wouldn't be surprised if you guys come with me on this. It's got to be strangers on a train, right? Actually, for me, it's a streetcar named Desire. Okay. I think, yeah, I, I think I might agree with Michael on this. Although, I mean, there are parts of American in Paris I really like a lot. It doesn't all quite, I don't know, quite work together. It's, my feeling about American in Paris is by the end of the movie, I'm just kind of like, Ugh. like Gene Kelly, you're just trying too hard to impress us. Right, but when you compare, I mean, and Leslie Caron is fine, I guess, as a dancer, certainly as a dancer. I mean, that's her training, but uh, I just, you know, when you compare that to the chemistry he has with Debbie Reynolds in the next one, which is coming up, yes, um, it, it, it does not look good. And also, you know, that was not a great stepping stone for Georges Guettari's uh, career in American no. Paris. No. He's still building that stairway to paradise. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so uh, why streetcar over strange? Uh, I think it's the it's the best um, adaptation of a Tennessee Williams play. It's the closest, and it has the the performance that changed uh, film acting forever. Brando, yes. Brando, fair enough. And yeah. he is great in it. And Vivian Lee, who was not one of my favorite actresses necessarily. But for the most part, she's she's still one of the best Blanches I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it's a, but, uh, a flawless there, film. There, there were good movies that year, though. Because as you said before, Ace in the Hole came out. Ace in the Hole. Queen, uh, Strangers on a Train, as Josh mentioned. I have to say, it's not, it's not my favorite Hitchcock. I have one big problem with Strangers on a Train, and his name is Farley Granger. Yeah, I don't know. You, I know he wanted William it's, Holden for that originally, but you know that I could have seen. That would have been perfect, actually. That but would Farley have really Gr worked. Farley Granger is an awful actor. Yeah, he's just he's land, worse in the rope. In, in in rope, land. he's worse in rope. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think he inhabits that part of kind of like he's kind of mousy and you know I'm 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 marrying into the business kind of guy. I I I believe. I, I think Robert Walker is excellent. Yeah, I mean, really See, scary. Preview of our next episode, episode twenty. That's right. We're Hitchcock villains and Bruno he's, Anthony he's, is going to be up there. He is definitely up there. But yeah. just in terms of, I, I, I guess because they're, to, you know, to me, and I certainly respect Streetcar, and I can see why it would win, but Streetcar is, is, is a film play. It's, it's, Str Strangers on a Train is more inherently cinematic to me. It's more about using the devices of film. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. you know, the cross cut, and, you know, between Tennis Match and the, the drop lighter down the grate, and then the right. end with the... Uh, um, yeah. So that's why, but I mean, as an actor's film, is there anything better than Streetcar? I don't think well, so. Well, not only that, I think it's the only Elia Kazan film, and I'm willing to give you a face in the crowd. Thank you. That hasn't aged badly. All of his other films are painfully badly aged. Yeah, or they well, were not every single one. But a Tree Grows in Brooklyn is still Except for that, I always forget that. It's still good. Yes. Um, but yeah, you, you are probably right, though. The streetcar has aged very well. So you're yeah. not going to go with Waterfront in 54, I'm gathering. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you could have been some way. You could have been a contender, Mike, instead of a bum, which is what you are, let's face it. <laughs> and I, I also want to just give the other nominees that were kind of bizarre. Well, two of them. Decision Before Dawn. Has anyone ever seen that? No. 
No, my decision before dawn was to go to sleep and not watch it. <laughs> and A Place in the Sun, which I have a lot of problems with. Well, I think Place in the Sun, the first, the first 45 minutes, I think, is really, really beautiful. It really sucks you into that whole romantic premise. And then it turns very overworked and heavy-handed, especially the trial scene. Yes. Oh, the trial no, scene is just like... It's one of my favorite Elizabeth Taylor parts, though. I really like her in it. Oh, she's oh, wonderful. She's very good in it. And, and the chemistry is, she has Cliff is, with Cliff. Montgomery Cliff is brilliant in it. Um, and then the other movie is Quavadas. Boy. I have seen well, it. Really bland. You yep. can understand why they chose Quavadas. That was the first Cinemascope film. That was the first big rectangle Dang. film, right? I guess. I don't know. Uh, no, the first Cinemascope film, I think, was The Robe. No, that Robe comes next. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, of course, there were the document, you know, this is Cinerama, whatever the documentaries were, but maybe it just, like, impressed people with the big rectangle. I don't know. I got to throw a couple of genre films in there. I got to throw... Uh, the Day uh, the Earth Stood Still, yeah, I want to mention. Klaatu Barada Niktu. Awesome. I love that movie. And, um, and Steel Helmet, Stan Fuller. Film with terrific, great, low budget, gritty, classic Sam Fuller films. So I, I've seen it. I'm not I don't really like it that much. I don't I, I know a lot of people think very highly of it. Maybe I'll have to watch it again. I don't know. Well, it, it's far from my, my favorite Fullers come in the early sixties, uh, Shock Carter and that I've seen. Um, yeah, I mean Shock Carter is just amazing. And what was the one with Constance Towers? Naked Kiss? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't also, know. you know, I, I don't know where those showed, but yeah. So uh, it sounds like for 1951, John and Mike are going with uh, Streetcar, which I could absolutely see. I mean, you know, how could you argue with Streetcar? And as Michael says, you know, there was, there was film acting before uh, Brando, Stanley Kowalski, and film acting afterwards. And um, there's just no way to argue with that. Uh, just because it's slightly more cinematic than theatrical, I'm gonna give it to Strangers on a Train, but I already have too much Hitchcock anyway in here. So I may go, I may just jump on the streetcar with you guys and head on <laughs> down. All right, 1952, we agree oh with my five first choices ever it's, it's made. It's the worst. For me, it's the worst. Cecil B. DeMille's the- No, I think, I think it's all of, oh. Yeah, I think I think it would be my choice for the worst choice for best picture ever. Yeah, I'm going with Crash or Cavalcade. I never saw Cavalcade. Oh, Crash, I prefer to do. Have you ever seen Broadway Melody of 1929? No, nothing moves. Mm. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> So, but, but it's it's definitely in your bottom five. You know, but the, the greatest show on earth. It's just such an awful script. And I think most of the acting is pretty awful. But even James Stewart, who I love, is terrible in it. It's Cornell Wilde. How can you argue with Cornell Wilde? Easily. <laughs> He's a terrible actor. With his actor. paralyzed arm under, with, the, with the jacket over it. And Betty Hutton is the world's worst actress. Oh, I, 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 I just never could understand her appeal in anything. Our resident curmudgeon has sharpened his proverbial pencil and uh, letting it fly. And so, Jennifer Jones was working then. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Mrs. And, 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 and Betty Hutton's worst. It's so just, 
I would. So bet what? Was, so what would we pick? I bet there oh, was no one in the same. So many. Thing. Oh, because I, I mean, for me, the clear, clear, clear winner is singing in the rain. I mean, how do you argue with that? I love, I love my favorite John Ford movie. I think, Man. I think it is John Ford's best film. I think it's the film of his that has aged that has Man, aged the best. What? Yeah, I think it's the one that has aged the best. There is absolutely nothing I can criticize about the movie. Yes, it's a comedy, but there's just nothing I can criticize about the movie. Uh, yeah. Wait, better than Singing in the Rain? Seriously? It's almost hard to put one better than the other in that case, because Singing in the Rain is wonderful, too. Um, and I, I love Singing in the Rain. My one little problem with Singing in the Rain is that some of the songs are kind of mediocre. Well, I, you know, the, the one number that I don't like the beautiful, uh, the beautiful girls number, but they were doing that to deliberately sort of poke fun at the very static, you know, Broadway melody yes. of 1929 kind of things that were coming out in the early sound period. Yes. But I, I mean, you know, guys, you've got, um, you, you got, uh, you know, Moses supposes going into Good Morning going into the title number within like 20 minutes. Find me a better 20 minutes of film in all American. No, 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 I, I love singing in a way. Josh, I can't argue with you there. And I, I have to say too, that the worst, one of the worst acting choices ever in Academy Award history has gotta be for best supporting actress. For Gloria Graham for her six minutes in the bad and the beautiful, which is only half true with that movie. <laughs> See what he did there, folks? <laughs> Over Gene Hagen and Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gene Hagen's great. I can't stand him. Because <laughs> what really makes Singing in the Rain, besides the, the music, is it is an incredibly funny script. Well, and, and what I, it's a great, it's Comden and Green. You can't beat that. Yep. And, and what I love about it is, you know, it is the best. If, you, if, I'm, if you're teaching a film history class and you wanted to show why most movies, not all, why most movies from 1928 to say 1932 are atrocious and it's mostly people sitting there and there's two people sitting at a table and there's a big plant in the middle of the table and you know guess what folks that's where the microphone is because the technology was so cumbersome i mean there's no better way to illustrate that point than showing when they're trying to make the dueling cavalier in singing in the rain i think any other choice would be detrimental and deleterious that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> But I, I have to add, it. <laughs> unlike the next tones, John, round tones. <laughs> unlike some of the movies years that are coming up, I think 1952 was a pretty good year. Besides Singing in the Rain and um, uh, The Quiet Man, you had Lavender Hill Mob. Yeah, Lavender Hill Mob. You had, Mul you had a movie I like, I've never really talked about, Moulin Rouge, the John Huston film on to Lucy Latrec, which was one of the, I think it was one of the nominees, yeah. Yes. And um, High Noon, I think High yeah. Noon's a good movie. High Noon's my, my sleeper choice for 1952. And also- High Noon, High Noon won the New York Film Critics Award. And also Pat and Mike, my second favorite Tracy and Hepburn movie. That's I never, one. that never ceases to make me so, laugh. So you guys are both gonna go with Quiet Man over Singing in the Rain. Oh, well, I was, I was saying of the ones nominated. Oh, okay. So if, so what, would it, if it were in your power, what would you give it to? I mean, for me, it's 
by a long shot. And I like Quiet Man a lot, but it's Singing in the Rain. Nothing else is even in its zip code. I'd probably have to give the nod to Singing in the Rain because also it's, it's a landmark film. Yeah. I still would go with Quiet Man, but only by a flip of a coin. Yeah. 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 yeah that's kind of how I feel too, in a way. Because I do, I do love The Quiet Man. It, well, I mean, it's, it's Ford. It's perfect. It's, uh, you know, and I could, I, I, I like the Westerns. I mean, I, I, I like the, the Cavalry Trilogy and you know how much I love Liberty Balance. I know Jimmy Stewart's too old. And, um, and I love the search, searches is coming up for me. But, uh, and uh, either this month or next month, Turner Classic Movies is doing a whole retrospect on John Ford movies. They're pretty much showing all of them. I forget if it's this month or next month. Friday going, back to, going back to like the silent films, going back. To I don't like, know. I probably not, but I know they're showing all his clunkers when he's sixty. The Prince of Shark Island. Have you guys ever seen that? No, uh, I have a long time ago. About Doctor Mud, the guy who set yes. John Booth's, Booth's leg, and it's really kind of not bad. It's really interesting, yeah. but yeah, that was not a great period before he hit his stride then. And he directed yeah. the film that beat Citizen Kane. I wonder if they will show any of the attempts at interviewing him. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, but are you guys going to look me in the face on Zoom and tell me that it's a better film than Grapes of Wrath? That's is, my favorite yes, film. I will. Oh, come. All right, Michael, we'll have to. Uh, I, I like Grapes of Wrath a lot, but as I, I, would, I would say that The Quiet Man is a better movie because there's nothing I can criticize it for. There's, there's, no, it's not, there's no flaws. Yeah, it is kind and of it, perfect. Yeah, Whereas, the you, Grapes of Wrath definitely aims much higher to say something and all. It's got a, one of the great screen performances of all time. Henry Fonda's Tom Jode is, is brilliant. But there are a few moments in it that have not aged well um, that maybe for mm, some of, occasionally there's that one shot where they like, he goes to like the shadows on the ground and like, what is it that you're trying to say here? I don't understand it. At the same time, there are parts of it I absolutely love. Yeah. And, 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 and miraculously faithful to Steinbeck, yet very much its own thing, I think. But that's... Oh, yeah, but, a lot of the book it didn't include, but, but, but yes, faithful to it. Yeah, one of the great literary adaptations, I think. But, all right, so we've got The Quiet Man and Singing in the Rain. You'd be happy with either of those. And anyone who's listening to this program should not watch The Greatest Show on Earth. Yes, please. We it warned is. you. You've been warned. You have, no, you have no recourse now. Also, another nominee from that year was Ivanhoe. I don't know. I kind of love the novels. So. Really? Yeah, but did you see the film? No, it's a favorite of my dad. So yeah, I watched it with him. Oh, right. well. I'm sentimental about it. But wherever there are three guys doing a podcast, Ma, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> so we move on to 1953 and um, Fred Zinnemann's From Here to Eternity, which is also not a terrible choice. Um, no, no. And for then, it was, an, it was sort of brave. Yeah, I, yes. it doesn't hold up amazingly well, but some really good performances. Yes. Clift and Frank Sinatra and Lancaster. Deborah Lancaster goes overboard a little bit for me. Time. Well, yeah, there's, there's moments he tends to just talk loud and fast. Yeah. Um, there are other I, moments he's, he's very, very good. I, I think love Clift, Clift is great. Clift yeah. is great. I love Donna Reed. Yes. I think yeah. she's superb in it. 
And I love Deborah Carr, and she is so theoretically wrong for that part. You know who was originally cast in that? It was Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford, Crawford yeah. And she yeah. didn't like her costumes. So some of them fired her. <laughs> no more wire hangers. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and Deborah, Deborah, and she's supposed to be a slut, that uh, Karen, the character. And Deborah Carr, you know, Miss Pop, you know, uh, prim and proper. But she's permanent. She plays a pretty hot nun in Black Narcissus, but that's going well. back a few years. <laughs> Definitely hottest nun on screen ever. Yeah, so well. you, are you happy with From Here to Eternity? or would no. you pick something else? What's your, no, what I would you pick, pick um, something else. John? So, John, what would you pick? My favorite music, one of my favorite musicals is from that year. The Bandwagon. Bandwagon. The Bandwagon. Of the movies nominated though, would you pick something else? Well, we're not restricted to that, but... Well, the other movie no, just... is Roman Holiday, which I like a lot. Yeah. Julius Caesar. Still, you don't like Roman Holiday, Josh? Yeah, it's all right. Really? I'm yeah, I think, I think it's really, really good. I, there's really nothing I can criticize about it. It's aged very well. I like Julius Caesar. I do, too. It's, and a, that's good, when... it's a good ad. You know, a Brando, I'm not sure of. Friends, Romans, countrymen. Love oh, really? I love Brando in it. <laughs> James Mason is great. Yes. James Mason is good. Why did he not? Um, then there's The Robe. He's <laughs> nominated, yeah. And the fifth nominee, which I find one of the most overrated movies ever made, is Shane. I don't love, Sh yeah, you notice we keep ragging on George Stevens here. I'm, I'm not a huge Stevens fan, and I, I think Shane is overrated. I think Shane is terribly overrated. I always thought it was overrated. Even as a, as a child, my mother making me watch it. And really? Like, you didn't want to be little Brandon DeWilde? No. Shane, no. back Shane. <laughs> no. And Andrew, uh, not Andrew, Alan Ladd is up there with Betty Hutton, in my opinion. Ooh. Ouch. Uh, no, no, he's, he was better than, he didn't ham at all. He was better than Betty Hutton. Yeah, but he was kind of a one-note actor. All right, so then what's your, what's your best film of 1953? Nominated. The Bandwagon, for me. And I, I find that very hard to argue with. I think it has. Yeah, you know, I think if I'm, if I'm not confined to the nominees, I think yeah. I might go with The Bandwagon, too. Yeah, that's an almost, just, just about a perfect film. I'm, I'm going to slightly, I'm going to go noir again on you, and uh, my choice is Fritz Lang's The Big Heat. Uh, okay. another, another really good, genuinely good Gloria Graham performance. Um, and just, you know, memorably na great, uh, you know, Lee Marvin's first real major oh, film appearance. So, so nasty in it. And oh, and, and blowing up the car and oh, it, it, it's just very influential, very dark and, and really believable characters. I'm, I'm getting stuck on late noir here, but I, but I, I couldn't, so I would give it to Big Heat by a little bit, but I certainly can't argue with Bandway. Uh, a movie I would like to mention, which is I think sort of forgotten, but I think it's one of Kukor's best movies, The Actress. I've never seen it. I've never seen the whole thing. I, I, I like it a lot. I think it's a really good movie. Spencer Tracy, Dorothy McGuire, and Gene Simmons. No, um, Teresa Wright. Teresa Wright, right, I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, that's a, it's Ruth Gordon's autobiography. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah, all, all three of them are very good. You realize, of course, that Glenn or Glenda was 1953. So I think that deserves some consideration. <laughs> I've never seen it. What? Oh my God, it's classic. You'll never look at Angora sweaters the same way again. It's genius. <laughs> and, but seriously, in terms of, of genre stuff, um, Little Fugitive was that year, Morris Engel's film. Have you guys I seen that? I've not seen that one either. Guys, listeners, I strongly recommend it. It's available now. It's this little film made by a New York filmmaker named Morris Engel about a kid who hides out in Coney Island because he (coughs) killed his brother. And it's about the 24 hours he spends in Coney Island. It's wonderful. Wonderful. It's it's sort of the the halfway point between Italian neorealism and the French New Wave. In fact, Truffaut and the other guys said that it was a huge influence on them, The Little Fugitive. Check it out. And pick up on South Street. There's I was just going to mention that, which I just uh, saw for one. the first time two weeks ago. Really I'm good. Great Richard yes. Mark, Sam Fuller film. So that's... Also, I want to yeah. mention a couple other films. A British Alec Guinness comedy called The Captain's Paradise. Which oh, I- yeah. Yeah. It's, it's him and uh, Cecilia Johnson, and it's a real little gem... It's almost hard to describe what it is, but it is, it's so wonderful. Also, I happen to really like Howard Hawks's um, Gentleman Before yeah, Blondes. Blondes. You're not the only one. I, I think it really, I think it's Monroe's best work as far as an actress goes. I mean, it's not her best film, obviously, but I think she's wonderful in it. She's so cool. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and I'm not a Monroe but... fan. <laughs> So, yeah, and the score is memorable, and just the look of it, the feel of it is very yeah. memorable. All right. So for 1953, then, Mike and John very sensibly are going with the bandwagon. I might jump on that. Uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? But um, I think I'm going to just go a little more uh, with Fritz Lang's The Big Heat, starring Glenn Ford and Gloria Graham, and really, as John said, viciously evil uh, Lee Marvin, bad guy. You're just right, a contrarian. We're, we're at 1954, and we are on the waterfront, which uh, one of the better choices of the decade. No, you guys are not loving it. Well, well I, I, of the movies nominated, I would I would have to go with On the Waterfront. And oh, I God, understand. yes. Because I mean, some I, of them I, are so bad. I understand that it's, it's considered a landmark film as far as what it tried to do. Uh, I think Brando is excellent in it, um, and even Rusain is excellent. Jeez. I think those, I think those are the best scenes in the movie. I think those are the scenes that have aged the best. The, the quiet moments between between the two of them are just—they're beautiful. But then, like every call while, then, then every once in a while, you go to you know Lee J. Cobb, and he's just way over the top. Yeah, Rod Steiger. And Rod, He's I'm pretty good. Crazy that, I'm not crazy I about Steiger. So, I like him in that, though. I you know, uh, I, lo- I mean, I still love the scene in the car between Steiger and We had class, guys. We could have had class. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but some of the, a lot of the, like, little minor roles, though, are almost cartoony. Yeah. And Carl Malden, as usual, over, over met. kind of overdid it. it. Yeah. But, but the nominees that year were so awful. The Kane yeah. Mutiny, Oy. which... Is it? I'm sorry. Except for Bogart, who's who's morphing into Bob Dole by now. Except yeah, Bogart, for him, Bogart is good. Bogart is good, though. But he's practically the only one. 
this is one of my big trouble with a lot of 40s and 50s movies is with war movies, they always cast actors that are just way too old. And, and the older I get, the more it bothers me. Um, and that's one of my problems with Kay Newton. I think Fred McMurray is awful in it. And I like him as an actor usually, but you're right. And, and Van Johnson, oh, come on. And then the it's, actor who they got to play the young ensign, he can't act. I have to get his name. It's all about, it was all about just, you know, being able to have name actors because they're trying to draw people into the seats because of TV. And then Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Really? Yes, really. I, I love that movie. I mean, just if you just turn off your brain and look at the color and the dancing. The dancing is good. Oh, the, dance, well, the dancing's great. Spectacular. But that's it. Yeah, but... It's a horrible book. Yeah, I can't argue with but, that. But the, but the look of that film. And then my all-time ridiculous one in this year is Three Coins and a Fountain. Boy. Really? And I love Dorothy McGuire, but this is an awful movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's so hokey. Oh, and I, I cannot believe Not only that, but the casting of Clifton Webb. <laughs> as a romantic lead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some, somebody's sick joke. Clifton <laughs> Webb is always an only Waldo Lidecker to me, so there you go. <laughs> He's had an, he had an interesting career, though, Clifton Webb. I mean, he always worked, which was odd, and even if he was miscast. Yeah. So, all right. But so I then the other nominee. Agree, we think we all agree what the best movie was. In yes. There's only one movie, as far as I'm concerned. I think I know where this is going. Rear Window. Yeah. Rear Window. I the only film for me from '54 that even comes close is Johnny Guitar. There's Nick Ray again. Because I'm not a I'm not a huge fan. I love that movie. I mean, you know, as a sort of metaphor for uh, for McCarthyism in its own quiet way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a little over the top, but well, I'm not a big fan of Joan Croft. I, I love, I like her in that. And I love Sterling Hayden in it. Love Sterling. He's, Hayden. he's, he's better than she is. And Mercedes. Even, that's not too. saying much. <laughs> She's, she kind of overacts in it too. I yeah. Think. I, I, I kind of have to give it to Rear Window. <laughs> oh, Rear Window. <laughs> to me, there's no other movie that year. Uh, I just the only watched other... it this past weekend. I mean, I just never, ever get tired of it. Ever. And I'm sure you can recite every, every line, John, right? It's, ugh. It's, but not only that, but it's just, it's so beautiful looking, the way he shot it and the use of the sound and how you, you really do get a feeling for each person's life in, in the different apartments. It's incredible. And the idea, you know, not an original of mine, the idea that everything he sees in each window represents a possible future for him and for Lisa. So, right. Uh, which is right. just extraordinary. I, yeah. I've said this before on a podcast. I can understand why people don't like Vertigo. But if you don't like Rear Window, you don't have a pulse. <laughs> and I, and I, I still mean it. On the kind of look that would not get him alone at a bank. So. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a perfect script. There, there is not one second of that movie that goes wrong. I, my only wish is that, um, is that he had, it was his last film before he started working with Bernard Herrmann. And the score is, it's, it's, I think it's Franz Boxman. It's, well, there's it's, hardly any score. Right, it's fine. Well, the, well most of the, almost all the music in it is, is source music. Right? Yeah. It's diegetic, yeah. 
Um, if they, if they, that kind of jazzy thing with the bongos and if they, if they'd had a regular score, a Bernard Herman like score, I don't think it would have worked as well. Yeah, and uh, I wonder if Lars Thorwald is going to show up on our Hitchcock villains episode. Uh, I feel sorry for him. I do. Well, like, he's well, he's very he human. His wife and cut her up, Mike. Come on. Oh, giveaway. Yeah, but she was kind of a <laughs> nag. I don't know. I don't want any part of it. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Thelma Ritter. The whole thing and, is just- and, and has any actress looked as beautiful ever than, than Grace Kelly? I got that one. Movie? I got Catherine Deneuve in Cherbourg. That's it. Well, yeah, but, okay. I, I would give you that. <laughs> no, but, but, she, but she's not wearing the clothes at Grace Kelly. I mean, the clothes at Grace Kelly is wearing. Kelly just, oh my God. She, yeah. She's radiant. She, she, she glows. Yeah. She really, really is. The only other movie of 1954 that I remotely liked was Sabrina. The Billy yeah. I like Sabrina. Yeah, I like Sabrina. It was better than the remake. With yeah, although the remake was interesting in the, in the fact that I wouldn't even call the remake a comedy. It yeah. wasn't that funny. It was more of a drama. It was more, yeah, it was more of a drama. That's true. But no, it's definitely lesser, uh, lesser Billy Wilder of the 50s. Yeah, well, yeah. He was nominated for Best Director for that, though, too. Yep. One thing I didn't know was that Sabrina, the play it's based on, Sabrina Fair, was written by Samuel Taylor, who yep. went on to and, write he, and he was one of the screenwriters. Yeah, I did not, I did not know that. Fun fact. Little piece of, little piece of trivia. Uh, when the remake of Sabrina came out, George um, uh, Sidney Pollack showed the finished film to Billy Wilder, and when it was over, he asked Billy Wilder, "So, what did you think, Billy? What did you think?" And he just looked at uh, uh, Pollack. He says. Sydney, how would you like it if I remade the way we were? <laughs> Ouch. I mean. <laughs> yeah, a little misguided there, but, um, but there you go. All right, so we're all, on the, we're all looking out the rear window for 1955. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's, there's any other choice. 1955, Delbert Van. The worst. Marty, what do you want to do? John, what do you want to do tonight? Mikey, oh Mikey, God. what do you do tonight? I, I want to wish that it wasn't Marty, but what else would you pick? What do you want That's to do? That's it. I wouldn't vote. Um, guys, how about Rebel Without a Cause? I don't think I, Rebel Without a Cause hasn't aged that well. I totally beg to differ because I've shown it to my, my teenage students and they love it. Really? I, I, think, I think that is a tremendous film. I, I, think the, I think Natalie Wood is great, and James Dean is relatively under control. John's going to now do his, you're tearing me apart line. But um, <laughs> hell, even Jim Backus and the chief from Get Smart are good. I find school. some of the writing heavy-handed in that. And I love Sal, Sal Minio is great. And, and, but, I, I, visually, it's beautiful. Really, really beautiful. And the, you know, the fact that, they, that the idea that they sort of form this family you know, in the context of this perfect 50s family kind of thing that they, that they, it's sort of presaging what's going to happen with the youth in the late 50s and early 60s, I think. I mean, there are, there are iconic scenes in it. There's no doubt about it. Anything around, in and around Griffith Observatory is just amazing, especially the end. I had the bullets! I had the bullets! <laughs> it's, it's, better than, it's better than any of the nominees. I will give you that. And guys, you will recall that Night of the Hunter was 1955? Yes, but you know, since we did that show, and I've watched it a couple times, I don't think it's a perfect film. I still think it's the perfect. best. I still think it's the best movie ever made by a man who made the only one movie. Yes, check that episode out. 
greatest one-hit wonders, my friends. But I would not give a, I would not award that a best picture. And the other nominees, Love is a Many Splendored Thing. Ouch. Ugh. Mr. Roberts. Oi. I kind of like, but it's, it's not a very good movie. Oh, it's just, they're, they're all too old. Yeah. Even as a oh, yeah. kid, when I heard- You know what's I, really funny is that when Fonda did it on Broadway, and when they first, you know, came to him to do that, he said, then I'm too old for it. <laughs> but when, when Cagney is calling him a college boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then the, the rose tattoo, ah. if, a gun, if a gun was pointed at me, I would vote for it. But I don't like Lancaster in it at all. She, Anna Magnani, is great. He's great. It's, it's her movie. But it's, it's, frankly, I don't think it's one of Williams' best plays. I think it's one of his... <laughs> Lesser. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. You couldn't find in your hearts to go with Rebel or uh, Night of the Hunter? No. What about Kiss Me Deadly? Come on, glowing breeze. I don't like, I don't like Kiss Me Deadly. Oh, you guys are tough, man. Tough. Wow. I'm, I'm... And I got to say something for possibly the most overrated movie of, the, of 1955, and I've been wanting to talk about this because it makes me so angry when I think about it. Go for it. Summertime. Yeah, I'm not, not buying what? that one either. Summertime. Oh, David Lincoln's Summertime. He got the Critics Award for Director. Nope. And I, when I first saw it in college, I thought, what was the big deal? And then I read Arthur Lawrence's autobiography, and he's very bitter about it. He, it comes from his play, The Time of the Cuckoo. And it's so much different than the movie because the character Hepburn plays is a bitter alcoholic. Hmm. And all that was taken out of the movie for what is essentially a travelogue. Yeah. And I don't understand why it's, critics, and it's in the Criterion Collection, and it's like, why? It's, 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 very, it's very beautiful looking. Yeah, it's, it's a nice look of Venice. Yeah. Makes you want I mean, to eat Italian food. Well, technically a very well-crafted movie. It's but there's Lee. nothing I mean, to but, it. Yeah. And yeah, I, well, it's, you know, she has a romance and, you know, you're very happy for her because Rosano Brazzi comes and gives her the little present. <laughs> but since, since having seen the movie, I, I saw an off-Broadway production of the play with Deborah Monk, and the play is just so much more meat to it than the movie. And, I, and, and in the book, uh, Lawrence uh, blames Hepburn because apparently she didn't want to play a bitter alcoholic. But yeah, I can Hepburn. see that. All right, so... Nothing. So I'm give, so I'm going with Rebel by a shade overnight of the Hunter. Are you so you guys are choosing not to give an award for 1955? You can not do unless that. I, not unless I can do foreign films. No, 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 don't start because then we'll go Bergman. I know where you're going with this. No, no. Well, no, no there's two foreign films that year. That uh, we, we said no. Don't go there. Don't go there. That's another episode. Perhaps, back. perhaps we'll do an episode one day about foreign films of the 50s. Okay. Right. Because right. it was it was a very it was a revolutionary decade for foreign language films. Yeah, exactly. It was revolutionary everywhere but here. So yeah. no. Speaking of which, that leads brings us to 1956 and the oh my God. in Todd AO classic oh. Oh. <laughs> around the world in 80 days. Oh. One of the great Cantine Floss films ever made. You must I don't get it. I do not get Spectre. It's nothing. That movie is so nothing. And it won the New York Film Critics Award, too. Like, what were they smoking? Salmon. It must have been paid off. <laughs> exactly. Good All Lord. right, so what, what would you guys vote for 
as far as the nominees. Oh, so what are the other nominees? Uh, friendly, friendly Persuasion. Friendly Persuasion, uh, yeah. Giant, The King and I, oh, yeah. and the Ten uh, Commandments. Ten Commandments, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> His God is God. If I were voting, <laughs> if I were voting, I'd vote for The King and I, just because it's the only Rodgers and Hammerstein musical I can stand. Uh, um, but the others, I've never been able to sit through Giant all, all the way. I've always watched. Yeah, that's actually Giant is the one I would vote for. Really? Is it that good? Yeah. That's the one I would vote for. I mean, it has it has flaws. It's you know, it's George Stevens. There's there are moments where he just he just overworks things, the way he edits sometimes. But um, Elizabeth Taylor is very good in it. I don't care for Hudson. He's so he's fine in it. There's nothing. There's nothing like really good about it. It's his only Oscar nomination. Yeah, um, James Dean in it oh, is not good. He is not top. good in it, except he has one great moment, and he doesn't have to act for it. And that's the the, the famous moment when he walks along the the top there, which was all Stevens's idea. Mm. He walks the top of the hill to to mark out his his new land. Yeah, you guys talk about Kazan's films not aging well. I really don't think Stevens' films have, have for the most part, aged Before well. Before World War II, yeah. they do. Some I'll of give you swing time. <laughs> I, I like uh, The More the Merrier. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that, too. But come on, guys. It's, it's The Searchers. Oh, yeah. that, of that year, yes. I mean, yeah. uh, definitely. Definitely. To me, the only thing that is even remotely in that league is, um, is The Killing is the Kubrick film, uh, you know, about the racetrack heist. And that was too, too small, plus Kubrick's coming up for me big next year in 1957. So, you know what's a good one that never gets mentioned? Bigger Than Life. Boy, I'm on a Nick Ray. I don't know big, that one at all. Bigger Than Life with James Mason. It's one of James his parts as a guy who gets oh. on- um, Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. What it, is it about? It's about a suburban guy. I think he's a school teacher and he- Yes. He has an operation. He's an English teacher, isn't he? Right. Who's the female in it? No one famous. No one I... I, I think I saw it at Film Forum. Yeah, but a great... I know you're a James Mason fan, as am I. And Who directed great. it? Nicholas Ray. Hey. I think I saw it at Film Forum. Um, yeah. Do I, I don't, and, and the only other thing I have even remotely down, it's a, and it's a pure genre film, is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's an enjoyable one. But there's a, a pretty good uh, Robert Aldrich movie that came out that year, Attack. Attack is good. Yes. Never saw it. Yep. It's, but, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But, but now here's an example of a Douglas Sirk movie that I don't understand. And it actually won an Oscar for supporting actors. Written, written on, on the, the Wind. wind. On the Wind. Yep. Really? I'm an imitation of life guy, although that's not an original film to Cirque, but, uh, and I like All That Heaven Allows, too. I mean, I, it, there was, I, what I like, if, no, but what I love is that in those, you know, what they used to call, what my father always referred to as women's pictures, you know, there was a little element of subversion, you know, and that's why Fassbinder was such a big, you know, always paying tribute to Cirque in his films, because, and Todd Haynes, too, with Far From Heaven. Far From Heaven is my favorite Cirque film. Yeah. <laughs> 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 of the episode. Yes. Very good. 
So, so we're all going with, I mean, there's a reason that every movie has a shot of a hero standing outside the door and then the door closing. It's yeah. because of the searchers. Even Jeffrey Hunter is good. Well, actually, that's where... Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, I think Jeffrey Hunter is kind of a problem in it. Is a problem, is, is yeah. the reason I don't consider it one of the great, great movies because of Jeffrey Hunter, but I think it's pretty good. And I, I think it's John Wayne's best performance. Yes, uh, along with Red River, I would say. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you a lot. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. But I don't, but as slim pickings, as you say, for 1956. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not. God. All right, moving on to 1957, moving on to the year of Sputnik. We have Better. an interesting choice. Better, right? Bridge Over the River Quiet. I happen to love that movie. I do too, but I don't think it's the best film of the year. What else was nominated that year? Uh, actually, that was a better nominations uh, year too. Um, Sayonara, eh. Twelve Angry song. Men. Absolutely, that's on my list. Witness for the Prosecution. Sure. Duck and <laughs> the Loser, Peyton Place. With five. I, 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 have, I have to admit that I kind of like Peyton Quest. You do? Yeah. You, you just love Lana Turner. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say, she's the one big flaw in the movie. No, I think it's actually aged pretty well. It's, it's basically all about small town hypocrisy. Yeah, yes. and it, I haven't it, seen it in years. And it was a phenomenon. It was a big cultural. I mean, Peyton Place yeah. became like an eponym for that. You know, that rot for for you know, uh, desperate yeah. housewives kind of just the no, rot. I, the there's rot aspects of the movie. movie that have aged very well. Um, I haven't seen it in ages. Neither have I. But 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 hands down, my pick would be the Bridge and River Kwai. I like Bridge and River Kwai a lot. Yeah, for me too. Next to. Um, Maybe uh, um, Brief Encounter. I think it's my favorite Lean movie. Oh, man, it guys, it's, uh, I'm sorry. It's not even the best anti-war film that year. My, it all goes to Paths of Glory, which is, yes. which is an endlessly, endlessly rewatchable, powerful film. And it's done by a director before he became a legend when he was just a great filmmaker. And I, I, I would rather watch Paths of Glory than Bridge. And I love Bridge Over the River Quiet but I would rather watch Paths of Glory any day. And I'll tell you something else. You also have Sweet Smell of Success and A Face in the Crowd that year too. So sure. we're getting, starting to get a little okay. better. Okay, I, I actually took a young friend of mine to see Sweet Smell of Success and he did not like it much. And one of the things that I noticed, cause I really hadn't seen it on a big screen in years, I have a problem with the ending. The fact that his sister can just pretty much just walk out of there. Yeah, no, I'm manipulating I, I, everything and she just walks out. The and it's like, really? And, and the whole, just the whole vibe of it. And Lang, one of my favorite Lancaster performances, Tony Curtis is great. And the way New York City looks in the dark in 1957 is just. Oh, yeah. I like it a lot, but I can, I, I'm questioning whether that's aged very well either. I haven't seen it in a while, but I've, I've always liked it a lot. All right, so you guys, are, so you're going to stick with Bridge Over the River Kwai over yeah. Florida. Yeah, but I mean, I, 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 I think Sweet Smell of Success is, is really good. Paths of Glory, I think, is really good. Hitchcock's I don't love The Wrong Man came out that year, too. Wrong Man, I do like. I am not as big a fan of Paths of Glory as you guys. I like it's it. A little, it's a little heavy-handed. I think it's okay. parts of it are heavy-handed. But it, when uh, Adolf Menjou and George McCready are on screen. 
their roles are so, they do everything but twirl their mustache. Little ducks. <laughs> oh my God. But, but I think you are hand, I, give, I give you <laughs> Joseph Turkle and Ralph Meeker and Tim Carey as the three soldiers who end up be, they are wonderful, especially Ralph Meeker. And all the a good people, actor. My only problem with Paths of Glory is the end. Is, is you know, the, the little German girl singing on stage and all of a sudden everyone has tears in their eyes and, yeah. you know, Colonel Dax is told, to, oh my God, do I love that film. And, and again, no, no disrespect to Bridge Over the River Kwai, but I'm giving it to Paths of Glory that year. I, I want to put in another, for another musical Go. from that year, Funny Face. Yeah, I like that a lot. Funny faces. I think there's parts of there's parts of it I like a lot. I mean, again, you have Gershwin songs. There's I love the part in the nightclub. Um, but then again, every once in a while, there's a scene that just it seems like he was afraid Fred Astaire was too old or something. It was really strange. Like he 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 has there's a one part where he hardly dances at all. Like he's trying to protect him. But there's other other scenes where obviously he could still dance great. It's really weird. I've always enjoyed that one. I don't know it well enough. No, I, I like it too. It's got a good book. Who's the, it's Fred Astaire and who's the? Uh, Audrey Hepburn. It's Audrey Hepburn, right. That's probably, I, I'm not a big Audrey Hepburn fan. I'm so obviously. Sorry. I, I mean, she actually sings in it. She's not dubbed by Marnie Nixon. Not Marnie Nixon? Wow, no. okay, very good. All right, so for 1957, it's Michael and John sticking with Bridge Over the River Kwai, and I'm going one war earlier with uh, Paths of Glory, Stanley Kubrick. 1958, the, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who love Gigi, I do, including people in my family, and I, they're still in my family. So I, I like it a lot. But in the year of Vertigo and Touch of Evil, are we going to- No, no, of course not. No, Vertigo, not. no. I'm not sure I would have voted for it for Best Picture, uh, considering the other nominees were um, Karen Hat Tin Roof, which I know isn't the play, but as a movie in its own right, I like a lot. It's a good movie, yeah. Uh, and The Defiant Ones. I have the, yeah, Defi I like Defiant Ones better. No the other, more. The, I do other, the, <laughs> the, the uh, other two, not so much. Um, Gonna be uh, potatoes. Separate <laughs> Tables. Yeah. which is just okay. And Auntie Mame, which I should have a, a soft spot for because not only is it the first movie I ever saw, but oh. it was the first, it was the first at Radio City Music Hall, I was three, I don't remember it. But it was also the first play I was ever in as an adult. But it's not very good. Yeah, there's- <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, really it's okay. doesn't age it's that okay. well. But but hands down, Vertigo was the best movie of the oh, year. Well, but yeah. as we all know, it was not received well when it came out. No, only two I, nominations. I, I jumped back and forth on, you know how much I love Vertigo. It's my favorite movie. But Touch of Evil is so, it, it is very, very close. I love the new, ver the latest version of Touch of Evil. Argus. You know, there's, there's three versions of it. <laughs> and, and, and have um, you ever seen? Have you ever I, seen I kind of like the one, I like the Mancini music at the beginning of the cut that was originally released. But have you seen the, the, the there's, there's two cuts with the Mancini one. Have you seen the shortened version? Yes. yes. The shortened version makes no sense. No sense. Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense to begin with. Well, yeah, it's, it's the only thing I don't like about Touch of Evil is Dennis Weaver. It's a little too much. Kind of like a warm up for Norman Bates in a way, isn't it? Yeah, no. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but Perkins was brilliant in, in Psycho. Looking for a chocolate there's, soap. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis Weaver. Dennis Weaver it, it is not. Little, it gets a little bit cartoony. Yeah. Yeah, well, Akim Tamaroff is, is, is cartoony, but... Mm, it works for him. Because he's also Charlton menacing. Heston. Charlton Heston's good. Can't. I know. I don't mind him in it. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's my wife. Where's my wife? Vargas. <laughs> Vargas. <laughs> no. It's, it's a fun, let's, let's put it this way. Touch of Evil is, I guess you could say, is a more fun movie. Well, anything's yeah. more fun than Vertigo. But yeah, yeah I, I think we. But Vertigo, yeah. Vertigo is absolutely brilliant. I just there's absolutely nothing that I you, you can't take out one frame of that movie, and have it still work. But as Michael has pointed out, a lot of people don't like it, especially the yeah. first two thirds, which moves so slowly. Yeah, and and a lot of people didn't like it then. Yeah, no one liked it then. Yeah. It already got no, it got mixed reviews when it came out. It didn't make any money, did it? It actually made a little bit of money. I think it covered its cost, but it didn't, it, compared to The Wrong Man and North by Northwest and the other movies he was doing at that time, all were making money. I, I, I hate the fact that Hitchcock, you know, blamed Kim Novak for its failure. I think she does in the Truffaut book. Yeah, he, I know. He I, really, I, I, he, and no, that's not, you know, the reason is, that Vertigo didn't succeed, it was, it was still way ahead of its time. So I don't know how, how he made that movie in 1958, how it, it, it was just incredible. And, and I, I think still, it feels so powerful because it's really the, the best, the, one of the very few glances he gives us at his own mind. Yeah. You know, especially in the second part where we're watching Jimmy Stewart remake Ken Novak, you know, in, in oh, the, yeah. the Dead Madeline, yeah. and, and that's exactly, that's Hitchcock doing that with his blonde actresses all the way back to Madeline Carroll in The 39 Steps. I yeah. always wonder how it would have been if, if Vera Miles had done it. Not very, as- Very, very, it would have been very, would have been very different. It would have been a much more grounded, earthy movie. She's actually would not have been right for the character. Right, Probably because, not. because she needs to be someone pliable and, you know, slightly insecure, and that was Kim Novak. Yeah. Nor was she very yeah. difficult to look at either. So, I mean, it's better than Bell Book and Candle, you have to say that. <laughs> Which I enjoy. I enjoy that movie, but it's... No, there's, there's no doubt that Vertigo and, and maybe Rear Window are his two most personal movies. Yeah. And Shadow of a Doubt, I think. There's a lot of personal, there's a lot of personal feelings bubbling. And, and I confess to the whole Catholic thing. Yes. The, that, you know, the whole shared guilt thing. Um, yeah. but Two yeah. other movies from that year I would like to mention. Please. Uh, the Goddess. John Cromwell's The Goddess with King ne Stanley. Never saw. Oh, it's a, it's a fantastic performance. Right. It's a Marilyn Monroe. It's Patty Shafsky wrote it. It's ah. about so a Monroe, Monroe type person, actress. And Kim Stanley, it's her film debut, and she only made four movies. She's brilliant. And a Doris Day movie I like a lot called Teacher's Path. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Dana. I don't think yeah. I've seen that one either. It's yeah, fun. No, it's very charming. Very charming. And Gig, Gig Young steals it, he, he, and he got a supporting actor nomination. And it's it's very very funny. So I mean, I, I you know, in any other year, Touch of Evil would be my choice, but not up against Vertigo. Which not is, Vertigo. No. no. That's that's we are unanimous. Which takes us to 
at the end of the decade, one of the great film years. Michael, you've said this many yes, times in the, over the, course of the podcast that 1959 is one of the great, great years in film history. And the winner, William Wyler's remake of The Silent Ben-Hur. Which I've only seen once. And Do you need to see it again? No. <laughs> I don't want to see it again. I just, I don't like it. So, what, was bored. Was, what, else, what else was nominated that year? Anatomy, Anatomy of, of a Murder, murder Diary, Diary of Anne Frank, The Nun Story, and Room at the Top. All good. Um, and some I, like it hot got nominated for director, but not picture. So are you going Wilder or are you going Hitchcock this year or neither? No, Wilder. Some like it hot. John, yeah. what about you? Oh, for the best movie of the year? Yeah. Well, of the ones of the ones nominated, I think I would go with Anatomy of a Murder. So would I. I. No, absolutely. But if you could go beyond. But if, oh, I, I would go with North by Northwest, but Some Like It Hot and Rio Bravo are right up there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, but I, I'm probably going to go with, I think the only problem with Anatomy of a Murder, it goes on a little long. Really? I don't think. Yeah, I, I, I uh, it's, it's a just great performance. Scott, George C. Scott is so good in that. His film debut. They're all, yeah. they're all good in it. Everybody. Everybody. Um, Including Judge Welch. Yes. yes, that's right. That's right. Joseph Welch. Um, I think I have to go ultimately with some like it hot though also, although we've, we've seen Billy Wilder a few times already. I think in terms of sheer rewatchability, I mean, what's, what's better, you know, I still think it's yeah. the best comedy ever made. It's my, it's my favorite Wilder movie. I mean, that's the one I, I just, I've watched so many times and I, no matter how many times I watch it, I can probably recite the lines with them. It still makes me laugh. Every time. Yeah, I, I, in fact, you know, I do love Anatomy of Murder. I do love North by Northwest. I really love Rio Bravo, Quentin Tarantino's. I do too. I do too. Um, uh, I also want to put in a word for the nun's story. I think it's the only Audrey Hepburn drama that I've ever really liked. And I, I think it's surprisingly- It's the best performance, I think. Yeah, it's surprisingly very, very moving. And you got a lot of good performances in that. Uh, besides her, you got Peter Finch, Peggy Ashcroft, Edith Evans. Uh, every time it's on, I watch it. I'm Turner, I watch it. I make it a point. And it's a long movie. I think it's almost three hours, but I'm never bored by it. And Room well, at the Top is, is, is almost worth watching just for Simone Signore. Oh, God, yes. Right? Isn't that a great performance? It is one. Of, yes. I, I, once yeah. they, I, I think AMC or um, Turner had a uh, contest or poll naming your best Oscar-winning performances. And for actress, I put down Simone Signore for that movie. Oh, she's, she's brilliant in it. She's beyond brilliant. She's so good. And I, I loved her to death anyway, but. But it's, it's really interesting looking back how, uh, you know, Wilder and Hitchcock's reputation have stood, but a lot of the, you know, the upper level directors like Stevens, like Zinnemann, have kind of faded, in, and Wilder even, to some extent, have faded yeah. in critical opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know about Zinnemann. Zinnemann kept directing almost into the 80s. Yep. And I... I, I still think it was, you know, and by the way, Plan 9 from Outer Space was 1959 uh, also. So, <laughs> how nice. 
So I are, you, are you, are you getting, is that a warning? <laughs> a freaking classic. Any way you slice it, cardboard, tombstones and all. And by the way, we do have to mention it in all seriousness that sneaking in 1959 was, um, was uh, Shadows, John Cassavetti's first film which about 12 people saw, but those 12 people went and picked up cameras and became the next generation of filmmakers. So My sister was in that film. Was she really? Yeah, small part. Tell me towards more. Towards the end of the film. It's not a very good movie, Josh. No, but in terms of how to make an American film, yeah. it was kind of revolutionary. So, I mean, again, the Italians had been doing it for a while and the French had just picked it up, but you know, I, ha I have mixed, Cassavetes is a mixed bag for me as a filmmaker, but in terms of everything else that was coming out versus Shadows, Shadows was really yeah. lighting the path to the future, I think. I but, love Faces. Faces, yeah, Husbands. I, I think that's his best film. That's, that one I never tire of. Yep, so, so we're all on some like it hot for 1959. Well, John, I, I, I would go with North by Northwest. You're going to North by Northwest. Yeah. All right. Fair, yeah. fair enough. I can't, you know, how can you argue with that? All right. You so know what's kind of interesting, though, is that surprisingly, the New York Film Critics Award went to Ben-Hur also. I know. We yeah, have, I don't get that. We have successfully skewered the, uh, the 1950s, I think, you know, where, <laughs> you know, for the most part, I think, I think uh, you guys put it best. I mean, it's the, the blandness of the films uh, reflects the blandness. They're, they're Eisenhower films, as Mike said. Yeah. But bubbling just below the surface, as I said, are, you know, Sam Fuller and, and Stanley Kubrick and the people who would continue to make really interesting um, low-budget films. Are we agree? We're not, no necrology today, right? Too many people. No, I don't have yeah. anybody. No necrology and too many people are dying. So, all right. So then we'll just get to it. Uh, our next show, our, um, I guess would be our July show, um, is going to be, we're back to Hitchcock for the first time in a long time since episode five. Um, top, uh, top Hitchcock villains. So start making your lists at home. Any last words, gentlemen? Anything about, you've seen, anything you've seen recently? You know, in streaming um, or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the director of Shoplifters, I really liked that a lot. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. So I um, decided to, you know, investigate the other movies he's done. And uh, one that I really liked a lot is Our Little Sister, which is about three sisters whose father had left their mother 15 years before to, she, he became involved with another woman and marries that woman and he dies. They haven't, they hadn't seen him in, in years. They go to the funeral and they meet their stepsister for the first time. And seeing what the situation is there, they ask her to live with them. And it's about them all trying to, you know, get to know her better and their relationships between all of them and their relationships outside of the family. It's really good. All right. So, Corey, Michael, what about you? I've been watching The Good Fight with Christine Baranski. Which is a, it's a very popular show for a reason. Well, yeah, it's good. And they, they use literally every out of work and uh, Broadway actor, I mean, even though the, the show takes place in Chicago, it's shot here. 
All right, and uh, you uh, listeners of the podcast will uh, will know that I am a huge Alex Garland fan who did Ex Machina uh, and Annihilation. Uh, he has a series on Hulu called Devs, D-E-V is in Valentine S. Uh, it's an eight-part miniseries that is just extraordinary. Thinking persons, science fiction, with Nick Offerman, who I love as an act from Park. Oh, I like him too. And yeah, it, it, it's it's just extraordinary. Yeah, he's I good. mean, it it makes your brain hurt. It's so smart. So that's Devs on Hulu. I recommend. All right. So this wrap- uh, one one other thing that I would oh, like to Beck. mention. Uh, a documentary that I watched on Netflix, a three-part documentary called Five Came Home, which is about the experiences of John Ford, Frank Capra, John Huston, George Stevens, and William Wyler during World War II. And it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you are interested in older films and those directors and their experiences. If you're listening to us, you must be, I'm hoping. I'm going to, I intend to watch it. I read, I told you, John, I would read the book. Right. By Mark Harris. Mark Harris, yes. Yeah. Who's one of our better film writers now. He really is. He's really good. And as you pointed out, he wrote that book on uh, the five films from 1967. Right. Right. One of the best film books I think I've ever read. Oh, you know what I did read? I read uh, that, do you remember, um, those of you who are longtime fans will remember in episode three, we did Whatever Happened to the Generation of 99. And about a year later, um, uh, they came out with a book called 1999, uh, Best Movie Year Ever. Um, oh, yeah. I read it. It's good. It's, it's good. It's some good analysis of the films. It doesn't really talk much about why it was such a good year or what it said or what it did. But, you know, there was that, as we talked about in the episode, that that great generation, God, so many good films that year, both Andersons and, uh, and uh, David O. Russell and everybody else. And, you know, that sort of fizzled in some interesting ways. It's Nolan's first film. So I, I, the, the book is very good. I recommend our episode more, though. So I think it's <laughs> episode three, Whatever Happened to the Generation of 99. There you go. So all right, that about does it. Wraps her up. Vintage Sand episode 21 is, as ever, a, produ- a five nines and a four production. Uh, we want to thank Mama Sue for the space. And we want to... Um, Thank Melissa Ariel Cabot for her help, especially getting us on. Let me remind you again, folks, Spotify. Yes, indeed, John Meyer, hold your head high. And when people ask, That's say, right. we are on Spotify. Yes, we are. we're too legit to quit. We hope that you are healthy and well. And we hope that someday, sooner than later, we will see you all at the movies at an actual theater that's reopened. God, Love yes. your hands, be good, and may your favorite films always be streamed.